Tonight we welcome Eki Shola to the stage of the Phoenix Theater. Eki is a solo artist who performs soulful electro jazz and has released a number of deeply personal albums over the last few years. Tonight we'll explore the stories behind those albums and later she'll play a set of music. Please welcome to the program, Eki Shola. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Very exciting to have you. You've been on our radar for a bit now and uh, just feels like it's been a long time coming. So thank you for, for yeah, making it work. I appreciate it. So your last four releases are, in my opinion, just like a fascinating window into mm-hmm. what you've experienced in this era of your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these include some traumas. Right. And these have effectively led you to kind of recentering your life. Right. And kind of dedicating yourself to music in a way that you, you know, just hadn't before. Right. And so I guess before we jump into this, because this is this is a this is really like a lot of your life of the last mm. five years. What did your life look like before all this? So before all this, let's see. So 2010, we moved out here, my husband and I and our son at the time. Didn't have our daughter yet. She wasn't born yet. We moved out from New York and uh, kind of did a mini driving tour. Checked out the East Bay, um, Santa Cruz, um, Sonoma County. And we came, I think, around the time in the spring summer where everyone's having their music concerts. So we were just like, where is this, you know, this place is amazing. And we kind of hit them all up Cloverdale and Windsor and San Rosa's, you know, downtown market and Sebastopol. And we're like, this is the place, you know, that we want to be. And then we moved here and then we looked for jobs. So at the time my husband was working, doing um, marketing consulting work. And then, uh, I had finished training, so I secured a primary care physician uh, job, and he continued to work remotely, and did that um, up until 20, uh, 2011, and then that's kind of when my life changed um, really quickly, and and yeah. we're going to talk so much about it. Sure. Uh, okay, this is kind of like when you're watching a movie right. and they show the end of the movie at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then when it gets to that, you're like, oh, that's what that was about. Right. That's what this question is, which is, uh-huh. has this last five years like changed your view on like fate or things that are, you know, things that happen to us yes. that just seem bigger than just coincidence. Because, I mean, oh, yeah. what a remarkable thing. Your life oh, was yeah. was so different than it has become. Yeah, and I don't, all, right. All because you just drove through this area looking right. for a place to live and it grabbed right. you. Right. And I, I don't, yeah, I don't really believe in coincidences. I think everything happens for a reason. Um, and so everything happened the way it was supposed to. We, I mean, we were meant to be here for that, for a particular reason. As difficult, you know, transitions that we've undergone while being here, um, I, I don't have any regrets over any of it. Because if I had, I wouldn't, you know, be where I am today. And a part of who you are and where yeah. you are today is, is coming from a family of healers. 
Right. You, you say that right. your family, are, they're healers of both mind and body. Right. Could you go into that a little bit? Because again, th- this is all sure. context, which I sure. think is going to inform how remarkable the next uh, few chapters of your life were. Sure. Well, both of um, my parents were musicians and they um, grew up, were born in Jamaica and they moved to London and they were musicians primarily in their church settings. And my um, dad was guitarist and drummer and it was rock gospel and they toured across Europe playing and my mom is more uh, gospel classical piano and organ so that love of music and expectation that we would play was there from the get-go and so she started teaching us I have two siblings uh, teach um, taught us piano and she said until you know the time that we stopped listening to her then we got a private teacher so then we continued and um, both of our parents were social workers and they worked hard. I mean, my dad was working, you know, when he emigrated over, kind of had to start from beginnings, you know, taxiing, taxi driver, um, different uh, night jobs, and um, became, um, he worked at a foster agency in Brooklyn, and um, he was always on, you know, as soon as he got home at 11 p.m. or something, this beep was going off, Miss Edwards, need your help on this difficult case, child removal from the home. Um, my mother worked um, with um, adults who were being, at that time, transferred out of institutionalized settings into independent living centers. So she worked with clients who had um, paranoid schizophrenia and other um, uh, mental health uh, disorders. And so that was just our life. I mean, in London, you know, my dad worked at teen homes. We would spend the night there, hang out with the teens there, got to know them. With my mom, you know, we were at the functions at the houses, uh, the clients there, and got to meet them and know them. And it just kind of was a second nature. It just felt comfortable. And um, so the music and the healing kind of go, you know, hand in hand uh, for for me. And so it was my sister and my brother. And like I said, we did piano and then we each played a string instrument and we didn't really like to practice, but who does? <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> so my, you know, my dad would bribe us. Nobody you know. at this table. <laughs> <laughs> so if we practiced, we got to go to IHOP, you know, like McDonald's breakfast on the weekends, stuff like that. And, um, you know, my brother, he was like a certain age, he was just like, I'm not playing. And they were just like, okay, well, we're not going to waste our money on lessons. And he was allowed to quit. And he was one who ended up minoring in music in college and becoming a music therapist, which is what he does now in the city. And so music was just very integral for us growing up. And it was just sort of this, like I said, expectation. Either we're playing or there's music in the background. But I think it all kind of culminated... And this one particular moment, um, when my mother passed away in 2011, it was around, I believe, the dates are fuzzy. I, maybe I've blocked it out, but January or so. And being the eldest, I was helping to plan the memorial and, um, you know, all the mundane things of, you know, invitations and setting up, you know, um, you know um, the venue dealing with insurance bills that were lingering and had to be paid, all this uh, stuff. And I was just like, I can't take it anymore. And we were all, my dad, my brother and sister were at 
the home that we grew up in in Long Island. And I said, let's go, you know, we're going to go upstairs to my old bedroom, my pink colored room, and we're going to play. I had my old rinky-dink old, I don't know if it was Casio or something, some keyboard. My dad had his guitar. My brother pulled out his double bass. And my sister had her violin. And I don't even know how we had all that there because we weren't living there at that time. You know, adults are long gone. But we jammed, and we must have jammed for like four, five hours. And we just played and played and played. And then it was just like something clicked. I don't know what it was. Um, Something just turned on. And that was the moment when I said, I will do music from now on. That's it. And I think it's important to note that you are a doctor. I am, And And music has played a role in your medical practice as well. I mean, even, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as, I mean, like, for instance, I think it's in the UK now, physicians are able to, um, or they were about to pass legislation, or they're looking at passing some sort of um, bill where doctors can prescribe music. And um, I don't, we're not there yet, but just simple things like that. You know, I saw a lot of patients who had anxiety and depression. Um, and yes, I understand. I, believe there's a biological component but there's also a huge environmental component too whether it be work related or family related and you name it and I think music has an music and other um, art modalities can be I think a wonderful adjunct in helping people to um, be able to express themselves so if you found somebody with a depression Mm -hmm. and you decided to prescribe music right would you prescribe a particular style, or would you prescribe what they, what moves them? What moves them? It has to speak to you. It could be metal. Yeah, it, of course. Okay. Yeah. 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 It could be funk or yes. jazz or any yeah. of that. Thing. Yeah. It has to. It has to reach you individually. So yeah. And do you yeah. think that moment that you had in that room, yeah, the when your mother had passed and you were with your family? Mm-hmm. It, is there any connection to why you made that decision to de- dedicate yourself to music and, and the healing properties of it? It was just cathartic. Yeah. Up until that point, um, that very moment, those, those hours provided the most emotional release that I had experienced up until then, by far. So that's you experiencing the healing yeah. power of music. Exactly, exactly, Yeah. Yeah, and that led to her her passing, and, right. and your processing of that led right. to your first full length album. That's right, right. Released called uh, "Final Beginning." Yeah, yeah. Anything you want to tell us about that album? Like, you know, obviously it yeah. helped you process it. There was a sense of catharsis, I'm sure. Right. But I mean, anything uh, themes, what you were mm-hmm. feeling, and mm-hmm. what you felt going into it, what you felt coming out of it. That album, I mean, didn't even start. That was not my goal. It was just like I'm gonna. You know, it took me like a day or so just to figure out how to turn it on. Then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to play and then I'm going to write a song. I'm like, oh, I have enough songs. I can put these out. And um, yeah, it wasn't really my intention to to um, put out an album. But then, like I said, I realized I had the material and I wanted to share it. And um, the, 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 the tough truth that I was trying to make peace with, and sometimes I still do, but um, and I've kind of sort of, I guess, looked at it and recoined it in my head as um, the gift of grief. Because if it 
weren't for my mom's passing, I, I wouldn't be here today talking with you. I wouldn't be doing music. And so it's like, man, if mom never passed, I've never had experienced this opening and, and joy and, and healing. And so it's hard because I say, well, wow, would I want mom back or music, you know? And since I like play that in my head, I'm saying, nope, cut that out. But move forward and say, this is a gift she gave to us. And I remember her, I mean, she's had three kids. She worked minimum two jobs, went back to school when I was in high school for her master's in education. She's always working, always studying. Um, but she was always happy when she saw us practice and play. And that meant a lot to her. So this, she's still with me. I feel her. And I feel like she's just given me this gift and this new purpose. Do you feel like your personality has changed since you made music such a central part of it? Like, do you um, feel like you've gotten better at communicating your emotions? Do you feel yeah. any shift from the you now versus the you 10 years ago? Or it just feels like the same person that does music? No, I feel I'm more just open to trying new things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I may have brushed that off before, like, oh, I don't have time for that. Or if it's not medicine, don't bother me, you know. But um, now it's just, yeah, I have more interest in different things. The non-singularization of Becky yeah. Shola. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, you uh, are about to uh, go to your next album. Yes. Which is the beginning of a trilogy. That's right. Which was spawned by something much different, mm -hmm. but also very, very difficult. Right. October of 2017 comes around. Yes. Um, so, um, was it the 8th or 9th? I don't remember, but um, the night before, my family and I went to hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. Had a lot of fun, went down with friends, and ended up leaving there probably around 8 o'clock, got home, uh, put the kids to bed around 9.30, and um, just started noticing that it was a little windy. Yeah, I'm from the East Coast. You get hurricanes every now and then, windy summers, it's not a big deal. Um, and outside is really red and beautiful. I remember I wanted to take a picture and post it on Facebook, but I didn't. And then my kids, uh, they came into our bed one by one, which was unusual for the oldest, and they couldn't sleep. And um, the little one said to me, probably around 11, oh, mom, you know, I hear a bump. I'm like, I didn't hear anything. I'm like, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And she's like, no, mommy. So I said, okay, let me go look around, see what's going on. And I go to the back of the house where the garage is, where my studio is, and the fire, the smoke alarm is going off. And very high up, I couldn't reach it. So I went back to the front of the house and I tried to wake up my husband. Uh, to help me and he like looks outside it's bright red he's like oh go back to bed it's sunrise I mean you know way off it's now around 2 a.m. and um, we smell burning just thinking it's a wood burning stove you know we're out in the country and people have those and then uh, there's no power and I remember looking at my phone and somebody saying a friend said are you okay and I'm thinking why wouldn't we be and I tried to call back but we had no power and then we had no lights. Then I heard the kids run downstairs and they looked out uh, through the garden glass 
doors. And I heard, Mommy, Mommy, the garden is on fire. And I'm like, what? And I went downstairs, and there were just rings of fire all um, in the garden. And it looked like someone was throwing fireworks off the uh, roof. You just saw embers. And I was like, oh, my God, you know. And all I could remember was, like, some leadership training at um, for physicians, and it was some group exercise, and, like, we had to brainstorm and come up with something, like, if you're in an emergency, what is the one thing you bring, whatever, and apparently the answer was shoes. So I was like, okay, shoes, we gotta get shoes on, and, because um, we're all in our PJs, and um, I told them to get their shoes. My laptop was probably, like, right there, about 10 feet away, I was like, do I have time to get it? Because I had three albums on there done. I was like, no, I don't think I do. And I ran into my closet, put in something, and then I just collapsed. I collapsed on the floor. And I was just like, this is it. We're going to die. This is it. And it felt like an eternity. And then I was like, I don't know, something picked me up. And I was like, nope, we're going to get out of here. We're going to be fine. We ran downstairs. My son couldn't find his shoes. I said, forget it. My husband couldn't find his glasses. Jumped in the car. We lived down a long driveway. And we got into the car. (laughs) It was, I don't know, it was a Kia that we had just leased. I mean, it was a small car like where like if you're sitting in the back seat and you're on a hill, you got to get out the back seat because it sinks the car down too low. (laughs) So we get in. We're barricaded in by branches that have fallen down, and my husband runs out, clears them, and then we get up to the street level, and it was like a horror movie. Everything was all um, in flames, and most of the homes were already burned down, and I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my God, my neighbors are dead, and we looked to the left, there was fire, to the right, there was less fire, and we drove through that for about seven minutes muscle memory on Reebly Road, which is narrow and windy. And it's like you saw wildlife running, deer, rabbits, smoke. The car's starting to get a little smoky. My son has asthma. He's starting to panic a little bit. I'm like, it's okay. It's okay, buddy. We're going to be fine. And then we drove through, and I believe it was Rush Creek we got to, and we called 911 and told them what happened. And the woman sounded so exhausted. She's like, yes, we know, ma'am, but it's too unsafe for us. There's nothing we can do. And I was like, I never felt so alone at that point. I mean, if they can't help you, then what? But then, um, yeah, then we drove to Oakland where my sister was living and her family, and we stayed with them for a week. And then after that, we were in different hotels for five weeks. And then um, we were trying to find a rental and deal with all that. And luckily, we did. And so that's where we are now. Yeah. And you wrote that this event unlocked something inside of you. It did. Um, So we lost everything that night. And your computer. And my computer. So I was using that computer to um, make music, number one. I was using my home office. We both were working from home. I was seeing patients doing telemedicine. So I got to see them through Skype. 
no home office, right? And then I was also working at Vista Federally Funded Clinic, and they burned and also had water damage. And so I was like, well, maybe this is a sign. I need to just do my music. And I was also working with vets in the city. And I did that for as long as I could, but the commute was just too much. Um, so I had to stop. But um, it just, I was like, I have to do this. If I don't, I'll always regret not knowing. And it was, it was an easy, it was an easy decision to make in my head. But logistically, having a family, finances, and all that, it was not. It was really hard. But um, I just felt like I had to owe it to myself to to do it. Um, because, you know, when I did Final Beginning, um, I was working full time. I burnt myself out. I was working 8 to 5, came home, cook, put the kids to bed, work on the album from like 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. I used up all my vacation time to fly to Seattle to record. I made myself sick. And um, I was like, I just need more hours to just do the music. And so that's what I did. I bet that laptop moment has played out in your head a couple times. As funny as oh God, as funny yes. of a things to focus on on as that is in in the midst of such tragedy. Right. It's also I just I just have a feeling that you've thought about that moment when oh it was ten feet away gosh. from you, and yes. you're like, if I just would have grabbed All that laptop, the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet a non-artist yeah. or a non-musician would hear that and be like, "What right. are you thinking?" <laughs> but that moment has probably played out oh in your head my. over and over. Yes, it has. It totally. <laughs> has so mm. now i back up everything, <laughs> everything. to all the clouds because we had a fireproof safe but everything inside it disintegrated oh. so that's where all my backup Whoa. drives were yeah okay and then this then began i mean so many changes uh, logistically yeah. and musically but one of the changes was mm. uh you set out to make a trilogy right you and bought a new keyboard <laughs> i did <laughs> yeah. we had to yes um and so Impossible is the first of the trilogy. That's right. Inspired by right. the fires. Exactly. So, uh, I mean, a lot of directions we can go, but let's yeah. just start with Impossible. Right. Um, what's the theme of that? So the title, the title is Impossible with the I am crossed out. When I went back to the house after the fire, it took me a couple, I don't know, maybe a month or so to get the courage just to go. At first I made it to the mailbox and then I was like, I can't go down that driveway. And when I finally went back, I looked, um, nothing there, right? Just rubble. And then to the back of the house where my studio was, um, garage, AKA studio, it was made out of, um, metal sheets and it was, um, all warped. It looked like somebody graffitied the whole, um, shed. It was incredible art. Like if I get it kept it like that, it would be really cool. I was like, how can I take a panel of this and like turn it into something? It was very cool. And I walked by the side and I'm like, hmm, what is that? And I go up closer and I see the outline of a heart um, made by the fire. And I was like, I'm taking a picture of this. I was like, this is going to be the album cover for my next album. And so it's on the front of the album. And um, within, I don't know, probably within two weeks, within, within a, yeah, two weeks, I, I needed music. I was like going out, out of my mind. What is the theme of that album? And, and, and more yeah. broadly, why a trilogy? 
the theme is make do with what you have. So, um, you know, after the fires, I was like, well, you know, it's, it's hard. And I guess I miss the house more, the home, rather than the material, material things. But um, it's also, in a weird way, freeing to have, you know, to have less. And then you realize how much you don't need. There's just so much crap that you don't need. I don't know if you felt that your life prior to your mother passing and the mm. fires uh, was simpler, was easier, uh, didn't have this level of upheaval, because um, I don't know what happened before these right. events. It, but it seems like um, all of the stuff that you tried to help other people with right. came in pretty handy right. for helping yourself. Would it, you agree with that? I do. I think you're right. Life was easier before um, because there's a, how can I say it? There's a predictability of life that I thought I had that got pulled out, which is life, right? Um, but I mean, up until then, I really felt like I've kind of cruised through and never really had any major traumatic setbacks. And um, that's when I realized, um, and the irony of it is just, you know, being a doctor and seeing how delicate life is and having worked in hospitals and pronouncing people, you know, dead and, 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 and being in death you still, I still felt um, a little removed because um, it hadn't hit me personally. And um, so when it, so when it did, um, I don't know, I just had a greater respect, I guess, of, of, of how fleeting life can be. And in terms of, you know, sort of weaving the music in with healing, it's kind of a circular thing because I feel like that's what my patients were trying to tell me when I was practicing. Um, you know, they were sharing all the, all the modalities that were help, helpful to them, whether it be herbal medicine, acupuncture, art, something like that. But I couldn't really fully see it in my allopathic straight jacket trained way then boom, this happens, mom's deaf music, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, they're right, there's so much more to um, the body and, and the brain, it's the heart, and it's all connected. I don't know how to, it just, it, it, it just all kind of comes together now, um, if you will, how to describe it. I think oh. you put it wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> okay. So Drift. Drift. Drift came out yesterday. yesterday. My goodness, it yes. is. Today is Tuesday, November 12th. That right. was Monday, November 11th. Right. This will probably come out in December of 2019. <laughs> okay. However, Drift is the second of the trilogy. It is. And let's just start with, okay, possible, right. impossible. Right. Add that one theme. W right. What is Drift telling us? So drift is telling us 
so let me backtrack. So during this whole music phase, I was kind of concerned. Like, I had a conversation with a friend. We were talking about music, and you can replace that with any other kind of creative endeavor or hobby, if you will. We we're talking about like, well, if music is it a you know is it an escape um, for me? And if so, is that a good or a bad thing? Because, you know, when you're escaping for something, maybe you're not dealing with it or processing it. And it became very circular. But to me, I think music helps. Yes, it helps you to escape. Um, and at one point, I felt like I was escaping into it too much and not working on the things that I had to deal with. And that was like, oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's kind of come out of that and, and um, work on some other things. So Drift was more... So whereas Impossible was more the, it was sort of this survival mode, like you're kind of like, okay, there are things that you need to do to get through post-fire. And I felt like, okay, I just got to get this music out and process and try to feel somewhat normal. Drift then kind of becomes that escape period, which is what I started to feel. I remember I was going on Amazon and I was ordering books from when I was a kid in London, like from my favorite authors, Enid Blyton, and you know, books about these girls in boarding schools and all the mischievous things they got into. And um, yeah, and I was like, and I kept thinking about my mom's cooking back in London, and you know, I was even you know, went to London, visited friends, and I wanted to go back to the old places. And it's just like this comfort I wanted that familiarity um, of what I knew that stability that security and so I'm writing these songs and they all seem to be just these songs that you kind of sit in and be carried and comforted and oh my gosh I just sometimes have them on repeat and they would just help me just kind of you're going to be okay and so that's what drift um, represents this period of of safety and warmth and and love. Yeah. Did you ever think about moving back to London? Yeah, I thought about it, but that's the thing about memories, right? They, at least for me, they're memories of once that that time period is gone. You know, I go back to London, and my old area is very different. Very different um, um, East London than what it was. Um, the foods have changed. They've become more Americanized. Uh, it, so it's like, uh, yeah, I don't even know where, where I would go to. I mean, it's just not there anymore. Even my home in Long, my, where my dad lives on Long Island, our home that we grew up off to London, that doesn't feel the same now that my mom's not there. So, so you were essentially seeking like the comfort of familiarity. Yes, and, exactly. And sort of, I, I guess what you're saying is like having these experiences where you got to sort of be, you use the word cocooned in right. these sort of familiar things. You exactly. found that to be kind of healing. Exactly. And, and that is drift. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so that's where we're, we're one day into that album we being are. out. We are. And then how soon until the third of the trilogy comes out? So Possible was released 222 because I kept seeing those numbers drift. I kept seeing 111. So that's why I released it yesterday. And I keep seeing 1218, which is my birthday. So I'm hoping that's the target for the third one. 
And third one is called? Essential. Well, yeah. let's do for essential what we just did for drift. What are we uh, focusing on theme-wise and essential? Essential represents kind of an emergence out of the cocoon. And it's like, okay, now what? Um, how can I step back into life? How can I make a, um, a difference? Um, for whatever reason, after the fires, um, I think I probably drive my family crazy. I've just been so much gung-ho on how I can personally minimize um, waste, you know, so I'm trying to, you know, bring my containers to restaurants to for takeout, um, you know, trying to not use plastic bags, um, you know, bagging your fruits, um, recycling, composting, always did that, but um, just trying to buy less, you know. It's funny, we had this, we didn't um, furnish our our house, so we were given a free couch, it's this two-seater. I'm 6'1", I don't fit in it, but <laughs> we, you know, the whole family four of us tried to you know, squish into this two-seater, and um, you know, it's cozy, you make do, but it's, you know, it's, I, it, you know, a lot of what has been floating in my head around now, excuse me, has been the, the climate change issues behind these wildfires. And um, I feel a lot of us, or at least in my circle, um, we want to make a difference, but we don't know how. And um, so you just feel hopeless. And um, I still like to think, you know, you know, it only just takes one of us, number one, to, to be aware and to have that empathy because you need to start somewhere, right, to, to be aware of it um, and then and to act on it in, a, you know, whatever way you can. And so essential sort of represents my mind opening to what a, what's the bigger picture at large as a citizen, as a community member, what can I do um, to help, you know, improve the way we live? And I feel like words are a powerful way, as is music. And it's been hard because, uh, like I said, I started off with instrumentals, but with encouragement from fans who want me to sing more and more, I'm like, okay, you know, I will. And um, That's part of the emergence. Yes. No. Yes, exactly. Well, coming out of a cocoon, I'm, I can't help but keep seeing a butterfly. Yes. Oh, that was one of my songs. Yeah. Butterfly. I'm excited when you come back on the show in like five to ten years and yes. we can talk about like the uh, the next ten barriers that you just yeah. punched through. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like about your process yes. is like you don't even really seem to like know what it is you're going to run up against. That's and that's why part. you're able to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's you like it th this nail. music was never supposed to be performed. So why would you have been afraid of performing it? <laughs> right. And then you, and then you're like, oh, my God, I have to perform it. Well, I guess that's what we're doing now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You have a wonderful exactly. way of like looking down the road, but not too yeah. far down the road, yeah. because that's when you get spooked. Thank you. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss at this. Uh, so, you know, the one thing I just <laughs> I just came up with, does the butterfly know that that's what uh, the butterfly is going to be after it emerges from the cocoon? And this is oh. almost like your journey as you... Yeah, uh, right. Is, is there knowing how exactly how you're going to emerge from the cocoon? I don't think so. I don't think the butterfly I knows. don't know. That would be, that would be my take. <laughs> yeah. 
It's truly. Yeah. Um, I, certain th- you you ha- would have had no idea the depth that this has brought to your life right. when you started it five years ago. No. You had no way of knowing. Nope. And nope. it's not why you did it, right. but it's why you keep doing it. Right. Right. And it's remarkable. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing yeah, all of this you. stuff with us tonight. You're welcome. Yeah. You, I mean, I truly, your work is yeah. a joy to experience and to learn about all the stories behind it, I think makes it that much more impactful. So thank just you. the generosity you had in sharing it all is very appreciated. So yeah. thank you. Thank so you. Much. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you for allowing me to share. And now in just a moment, Eki Shola will share a collection of these songs with us. Thanks again for joining us, Eki. Thank you.
Can't breathe. 